morning, everyone. My name's Paul. I'm one of the, the pastors here. Uh, it's really good to hear um, how God is growing uh, our church, how God is growing Terry. Um, today, uh, as Rob already highlighted, we're in the middle of our wholehearted series, and we're thinking about the idea of maturity, what it means to be maturing in Christ. Uh, at church, I'm kind of the, the pastor who wears the hat of maturity. It doesn't mean I'm mature, uh, but it's something that, you know, I'm striving to be growing in myself, but also I spend a lot of time thinking and praying about how we can be doing this as a church. Um, so, yeah, I'm excited to be thinking about this with us today. Uh, but before I start, how about I uh, pray? Would you join with me? Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for your words given to us. Words of life. Words of hope and words of peace. Your word is powerful to change us, Lord. So we pray now that your word would transform us and change us to be more and more like Christ this morning. In his name I pray. Amen. Well, I remember as a kid, I just wanted to grow up. I have a sister who's two years older than me, and so I constantly saw her doing things that I couldn't do yet. Uh, she was, you know, she'd, she was the first one to be able to go and watch M-rated movies. Uh, she was the first one to go and have sleepovers at, uh, you know, friends' houses. If you're the youngest here, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Uh, she was allowed to, she learned to drive before me. Uh, but I reckon the worst was when I, uh, when we went to amusement parks, you know, I'd line up with her in rides and we'd get to the front and she wasn't even that much taller than me, but, you know, they'd get the ruler out and she'd be able to go through and I couldn't. I literally wanted to grow up. You know, growing up, it's, it's a part of life, and growing up it's, and maturing is a part of the Christian life too. As Christians, we're to be growing up in Christ. Wholehearted followers of Jesus are to be growing more and more like Jesus. This is what the Apostle Paul's vision statement was in his, for his life. Do you see it there at, in verse 28 of what we just read? He said, he is the one, that's Jesus, that we proclaim, admonishing, teaching everyone with all wisdom, so we may present everyone fully mature in Christ. Paul wants all believers to be growing and maturing up in Jesus. This is why at Sit on a Hill, our vision is to multiply and mature followers of Jesus. We don't want people just to come to know Jesus, we want them to grow up in Jesus. We're to be putting aside our old life and growing more like him. So I wonder, I wonder, how are you going at this? How are you going at growing more like Jesus? If someone was to look at your life last year and today, would they see you looking more like him? The Bible's expectation is that we're growing up to look more and more like Christ. But maybe as I ask that question, you know, you feel a sense of unease or even tension as, as you know, yeah, I want to be like Jesus, but actually you know that you're not perfect. You know, until the day he takes you home or the day he returns, you're still going to be carrying your sin with you. And if you feel this way, it's helpful to remember that God is in the business of transformation. The work of growing us up in Christ is not just done in our own strength. Paul shows this a little bit earlier from what we had read. Have a look with me just a little bit further up in the passage at verse 9. Paul says this, halfway through there, he says, We continually ask God to fill you with the knowledge of his will through all wisdom and understanding that the Spirit gives, so that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and please him in every way, bearing fruit in every good work, growing in the knowledge of God. Do you see what this verse is saying? 
God, through the gift of the Holy Spirit, is the one who will grow us. He'll fill us with the knowledge of his will and with all wisdom and will empower us to live a life worthy of Jesus. The Holy Spirit is the one who will work in us and transform us and change us to be like him. See, we're all works in progress. Even though we might not be where we want to be, we're not where we used to be. Even though the transformation might not be fast, it might be hard, God's Spirit is at work within us. But, you know, we're not, we're not just passive in this process. We don't just sit back and say, Spirit, do your work. No, we're to be in, you know, we're equipped and empowered by the Spirit to be growing more like Jesus. So the question we're going to think through today then is, how can we grow, be growing more like Him? How can we, with the help of the Spirit, be growing up in Christ? And to answer that question, we're going to see three things that help us do this in this passage. We're going to see where to grasp the greatness of Jesus, where to trust the Savior Jesus, and we're going to use the gifts Jesus gives us. The gifts of prayer, his word, and the gift of Christian community. So how can we be growing up in Jesus? Well, firstly, we're to grasp the greatness of Jesus. I wonder, I wonder when you think of Jesus... What images come to mind? Do you think of the the meek and the mild Jesus? Do you think of the the compassionate and caring Jesus? Maybe you think of the quick-witted Jesus, you know, who always knew the right thing to say at the right time. I wonder what image do you think of? Maybe for some of you here today, maybe you don't even have a box for Jesus. Well, let's have a look, look at what Paul says. How does he describe Jesus? Have a look at verse 15 with me there. It says, the Son is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For in him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities. All things have been created through him and for him. This picture Paul gives us of Jesus is one of greatness. Jesus is the image of God. It says a little bit further down in verse 19, God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him. To look at Jesus is to see God. To look at Jesus is to see the creator of the world. Do you see what it said? In Jesus, all things were created. In other words, nothing was created without Jesus. Jesus is the source of life. Now you think, you think about that for a moment from the the blue whale that swims in the depths of the ocean to the microscopic organism that you can only see under a microscope to the thousands of stars in the galaxy to every child born every minute. Jesus' fingerprints are over it all. Creation is like a vast canvas of his work. I remember a few years ago, Mel and I were uh, in Paris on holidays and uh, you know what you do when you're in Paris? You go to art galleries. That's what you do. You get, you get some culture. Uh, and so uh, Mel and I went to visit a whole bunch. And my favorite art gallery was this one this picture's from. It's, it was called the Museum de l'Orange. Uh, and it was my favorite because in the room were these incredible paintings by Monet. There were these, you know, the, the, wor- the, the room was circular, so these paintings just hugged the wall, and you'd sit in the middle and just bask in awe and wonder that he had painted these incredible works. You know, and just like Monet, 
just like his paintings, but actually on an infinitely larger scale. As we look at our world and the splendor of creation, it all points to the greatness of its creator. It all points to Jesus. I wonder how often do you stop to grasp the very one we can know, the very one who came to walk amongst us. He created everything. But Jesus, he's not just the source of life. He's the very meaning of life. Do you see that at the end of verse 16? It says, all things were created through him and for him. Every part of creation was made for Jesus. The very purpose of our lives is to point to him. Every breath we take, every heartbeat that we're given is given to us by Jesus so that we can live for Jesus. Now, this, this idea is, is pretty countercultural. Our world says it's all about us. Our world says, live for yourself, live for what makes you happy, what satisfies you. Our world says, we're to live for me. But that's not who we were created for. We were to live for He. We've been made to live for Jesus, the very one who created us, who knows us intimately, who loves us, who wants what's best for us. To grow up in Jesus, first we need to grasp the greatness of who He is, that He is God, He is our Creator. And he made us to live for him. Every now and again, I hear Christians say things like, I know the basics of Christianity. I know about Jesus and who he is. I don't need to, you know, keep going back to those things. I want to, I want to get, dig deeper into the, you know, the deepest stuff of Christianity. You know, when I hear comments like that, it deeply saddens me. Because we should never move past the greatness of Jesus. We should never move past basking in the grandeur and the glory of who he is. We've been made to live for him. In the words in Philippians 3.8, Paul says, may we forever say this, he says, I consider everything a loss compared to the surpassing greatness of knowing Jesus. To grow up in Jesus first, we need to grasp and continue to grasp the greatness of who he is. And then secondly, we need to trust the Savior Jesus. Look with me a little bit further down in your passage at verse 21 and 22. It says, Once you were alienated from God and were enemies in your minds because of your evil behavior. But now he has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you wholly in his sight without blemish, free from accusation. Do you see what these verses are saying? Even though we were made to live for Jesus, each one of us has willfully and continually and defiantly lived lives with ourselves at the center. We've all said, actually, stuff you, God. And because of that, we've become his enemies. We've set up the battle lines. We've lived lives in war against him. And to do that is utterly foolish. Because he's, as we've just seen, he's the giver of life and everything good. He's the one who will judge us for our rebellion and defiance of him. We will all one day have to give an account for how we've lived lives playing God. And that's what makes verse 22 absolutely incredible. Do you see what it says there? But now. But now God has reconciled us 
by Jesus dying in our place. Jesus now offers us peace with God. We are no longer under his wrath and deserving of judgment. We are no longer his enemies if we trust in Jesus. But that's not all. Did you see what it goes on to say? Because of Jesus' death, we are presented before God as holy and blameless. We've been washed clean by the blood of Jesus. This is truly incredible news. If you are here and you trust in Jesus for, your, for his death for your sins, God doesn't look at you as you deserve. He doesn't look at you and see sin. He doesn't see any shame. He doesn't see any guilt. He looks at you and says, you're a child of mine, washed clean by the blood of Jesus. Now, this, this reminds me of a time when Mel and I had done a trek in Papua New Guinea. And uh, this was a 10-day trek through the jungle. Uh, and I'd been told beforehand about the humidity and the, the weather and the mud. But despite being warned, I still wore a white T-shirt. Uh, and, you know, as you can imagine, so I only had one T-shirt for the whole 10 days. You know, you pack light. Uh, at the end of the 10 days, you can imagine my shirt was no longer white. It's a bit hard to see there, but it's completely brown and dirty. Mel's shirt is, is brown, like it actually was brown, and so you can see the comparison. But, you know, you know I, I brought the shirt home. I uh, did a lot of nappy sand washes. And, you know, no matter how many washes I put it through, I couldn't get the stain out. I think, I think for some of us, even though we might know about the death of Jesus for our sin, we live life like we've got to remove the sin of, on our own. We live life carrying around our guilt and our shame and we, and we try to clean ourselves up and scrub away the mud. We think things like, if I just serve at church, if I you know, read my Bible every day, if I just care for my neighbor, these things will cover my mistakes. These things will make me look good in God's eyes. I think for many of us, we live life not trusting that Jesus' death alone makes us right with God. We think we've got to clean ourselves up. We think we've got to present ourselves before God. If you think that, you're only setting yourself up for pain and sorrow because we can't deal with our guilt and sin on our own. Uh, Tim Keller, the famous American pastor and author, he says... Your babies in the faith until you understand the difference between grace and works. Do you see what he's saying? Until you realize that it's only by Jesus' death you're washed clean, you'll remain a baby Christian. Actually, I want, to, I want to be stronger than Tim Keller. Until you realize that all your good works don't pay for your sin, you're not actually living a Christian life at all. Knowing it's through Jesus' death alone. They're washed clean. That is the foundation of a Christian life. So let me ask you, do you trust in Jesus' death alone to, to save you and to wash you clean and present you before God as holy and blameless? If you're here and you're, you're still stuck in a kind of a works-based mindset, let me say come to Jesus and trust in his death alone. Stop trying to clean yourself up. Stop trying to scrub the mud away on your own and trust in Jesus. It's by his death we're presented before God as holy and blameless and without sin. To grow up in Christ, we need to trust him alone to give us peace with God. And when we do this and when we're sure of this, then and only then 
will we start to grow up like Jesus? You see, Jesus died for us when we weren't godly, but he died for us so we can now live lives of godliness. So how can we be growing in Christ's likeness? Well, that brings us to our third point, and that's to use the gifts Jesus gives us. We're going to unpack three gifts that he gives us. Uh, Firstly, we're to use the gift of prayer. And Paul already modeled this for us, didn't he? In verse 9, when he prayed to God, remember what he said? He said, we continually ask God to fill you with the knowledge of his will through all the wisdom and understanding that the Spirit gives so that you may live a life worthy of the Lord. The very act of praying to God shows our dependence on him. We're to cry out to him because we can't do life on our own. We can't change on our own. We need his help every moment of every day to follow Jesus. If we, if we think we have the power to change on our own, if we think we've got life all sorted, then we're never going to take prayer seriously. But when we get on our knees and cry out to God continually to work in us and to change us, when we get on our knees and pray, that will be the pathway to growing more like Jesus. Last week, I was chatting to a member of church and I was so encouraged. Uh, she told me how she'd started keeping a prayer journal. Every day she writes down, you know, what she reads in the Bible and the things that she wants to bring before God in prayer. She told me how it had been so helpful for her in drawing closer to God and actually how liberating it was to be praying to God regularly because she was no longer trying to do life in her own strength, but in God's. So let me ask you, are you making use of the gift of prayer? Are you spending time with God in prayer? Are you crying out to him to change you, to make you more like Jesus? Are you living a life fully reliant on him? Secondly, where to use the gift of his word. Look at it then again at verse 28. He, that is Jesus, is the one we proclaim, admonishing and teaching everyone with all wisdom, so we may present everyone fully mature in Christ. How are we to teach others to grow up in Christ? Well, it's by using the words Jesus has given us in his Bible. Jesus' last words to his followers were to teach others to obey everything he said. So if you're here today and you're interested in growing up more like Jesus, everything you need to know to to train you, to grow you, to equip you, has been given to us in his word. You didn't need to go anywhere else. You don't need to experience anything else. You just need to get stuck into the Bible. To grow up in Jesus, we need to grow in our love and knowledge of his word. We need to spend time in it, being taught by it, being corrected, molded more like Jesus through his word. Someone once said to me, if you want to hear the word of God, you need to turn down the volume of the world. And the only way to turn down the volume of the world is to turn up the volume of God's word. So let me ask you, how loud has the volume of God's word been for you this past week? What things has it been teaching you, growing you and training you in? I think for me, one of the best ways, you know, that I've, uh, that's helped me to turn up the volume of God in my own life is by re- having the same Bible reading plan as a few mates. 
Each day we read the same thing and then we message each other what it's taught us and things we want prayer about. I find it so helpful because one, it keeps me accountable. But then two, it's such a joy to, to hear how the word is teaching me, how it's teaching my friends and how we can be praying for each other to grow more like Jesus. I wonder, is there someone in your life who you could start a reading plan with? You know, if that, maybe that's something you'd love to do, but you're like, I don't know, sure, I'm not sure who to ask. Write it on your comment card. I'd love to help you. Think of someone who you can be growing and reading the Bible together with. Where to use the gift of prayer, where to use the gift of his word, and then thirdly, where to use the gift of Christian community. Look with me again one last time at verse 28. It says, He is the one we proclaim, admonishing and teaching everyone with all wisdom, so we may present everyone fully mature in Christ. Do you see the word there that's repeated twice? Well, there's two words. One is we, but also there's the word everyone. Growing up in Christ, it's not an individual pursuit. It's not just about my own walk with Jesus. It's not just about me anymore, but it's about we. It's about seeing everyone growing up more like Jesus. That's why we spend time together in Christian community. We're in this for each other, with each other. We want to see everyone here growing more and more like Jesus. We do this by gathering with each other and digging into the word and praying and doing life with each other. And, you know, gathering together in Christian community is so important because as individuals, we, we all have our blind spots. There are things in each of our own lives that we just won't see or recognize without the help of others. I remember as a young Christian, I really struggled with telling the truth, uh, especially in social situations. I would just, you know, make up stuff uh, to try and seem cool or just fit in. Uh, but one day I remember being at my youth Bible study and I told a lie and one of my mates turned to me and straight away said, Paul, stop lying. That's not how God wants you to use your words. I remember being a bit taken aback by this, but at the same time, I was so thankful because, you know, up to that moment, I'd been kidding myself. I'd been kidding myself, thinking it was okay to tell the odd lie here or there. And, you know, to this day, I'm still so thankful for my Christian brother, you know, because he was wanting me to grow more like Jesus. So my question is, do you treasure and prize the time we have in Christian community? Do you let nothing stop you from spending time together in Christian community? And are you someone who is just as concerned about other people's growth as you are for your own? So in closing, how are you going at growing more like Jesus? When I think of growing up like Jesus, there's one man I think of. He's, the man, he's a man by the name of Ben Lewarn. Now, Ben, he was my youth group leader for the six years that I was uh, in high school. And Ben, uh, he struggled with many health issues and, and life-threatening illnesses. But, you know, through, throughout it all, he rejoiced because he knew Jesus. You could tell knowing Jesus was what brought Ben a deep sense of joy and contentment. Whenever you talk to Ben, and he would bring up Jesus. His whole face would light up. There'd be hardly a conversation that you could have with Ben where he wouldn't tell me something that he'd been learning about Jesus. You know, Jesus wasn't a figment of his imagination. Now, Ben lived life in relationship with him every day. 
Jesus gave Ben a confidence in life. It was a confidence not in himself, but in knowing Jesus. You know, Ben was the person I'd often go to to ask about issues. And when I did, he wouldn't tell me what he thought. He'd open up his Bible and say, hey, this is what Jesus thinks about that. But Ben you knew he wasn't perfect as well. He was the first one to admit his faults. In our Bible study, I remember so many times, he'd be the first one to say, guys, I'm struggling with this. I need to bring this to God. He'd bring it to God and pray to him. And then he'd, he'd know that actually a Christian life didn't just bring it to God, but it strived to put to death sin in his own life as well. When I think of Ben, I think of a life lived with Jesus and a life wanting to grow more and more like Jesus. I'm so thankful for that, for his model to me. I wonder if you were to think of your life as a Christian, I wonder, would you say your best days are ahead of you or are behind you? Because the Bible's expectation is that our better days as Christians are always ahead. doesn't matter if you're six, if you're 66 or 96. As Christians, our, our life, this trajectory is one of growth. We're to be growing deeper and deeper in our love for Jesus and love for each other. I know sometimes it, it might not feel like that. I know sometimes it might feel hard or, or change is slow. But we need to remember, God is at work with us by his spirit, wanting us to change and wanting us to grow up more and more like Jesus. So let's pray that God would do this work in us and through us. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, we thank you for your son, Jesus, that by his death, we can come before you confidently, knowing that you don't hold our sin against us. Father, help us to continue to grow in our love and awe of how great Jesus is. Father, we pray that our lives would grow more and more in Christ-likeness. Help us to make use of the gracious gifts you give us. May we daily and hourly come to you in prayer for strength. May we spend time delighting and being taught from, your, from the light of your word. And may we, as brothers and sisters in Christ, be seeking to grow each other up more like him. And we pray all this in the name of Jesus. Amen.